Just checking that we're recording. Yep, all good. Okay. <clears throat> well, today we are continuing our series Going Deeper, as we've already mentioned. And uh, at the heart of, of, um, of this series is exploring the living relationship that we have with God. God who loves each of us, each of us particularly, not just God's love generally, but he loves us each and he sees each of us um, as we are. And we come here not just to speculate on the mysteries of God, nor are we here just to you know, pass on some kind of code of good behaviour, but um, we want to actually experience this love of God for real in our lives. Am I right? Is that right? Yeah? Come on. (laughs) Yes. All right, so we want to experience God because God has befriended us. As our creator and our sustainer, God knows us more than we know ourselves. And as we respond to him, he promises to shape us and to strengthen us with this new capacity for us to love as well, to love like Christ. So my message today is all about uh, recognising this, that this Christian life that I'm talking about is not a solitary one. I want for us to be able to turn to each other today and to understand that we actually need each other to go deeper with God. All right, so turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. (laughs) Yeah, very good. It's probably the only time that you can do that without sounding a bit weird because I told you to do it. So So the question I guess we're asking ourselves today as well is what difference does my relationship with God make to my relationship with others? Because our spiritual growth is always profoundly social. Okay, You you can't keep it to yourself. Anyone who who thinks of faith as merely a private matter, I think, has misunderstood it. People who say, oh, it's just between me and God. What, What I'm doing is my own business. They've misunderstood God as well as themselves. Because if you think about it, everything that is between me and God affects who I am. And that, in turn, affects my relationships with everyone around me. And my relationships with others also changes me. So my friendships with you affects who I am. And that's either going to encourage me or discourage me in my relationship with God. So if I'm to be transformed by God, all my relationships must be transformed. Can you see how we can't just make it about me and God? Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrifice my body. I could boast about it, but if I don't, didn't love others, 
I would have gained nothing. So today we're going to be talking about friendship. First, I want to just say a few things about friendship in general. And then after that, we're going to talk about Christian friendship, which I think is a unique form of friendship. Uh, And I also think it's essential to growing deeper with God. And then thirdly, we're going to look practically at how, how do we develop this Christian friendship in our lives and in our church. So I hope you're ready for this and you're feeling you know, um, excited about talking about friends. And as we, as we do this, I, I want you to also just consider who are your friends? Who, who are your good friends? Who, who are your deepest friends in your life? Um, perhaps you can just have them in your mind um, during this time as, as I speak. So just generally talking about friendship in our world today. The word friend, the English word, it derives from old English words for free and lover. So the fundamentals of friendship is that it's a free choice to create a space of trust between um, two people where we can share with each other. Okay, um, It is free in that it's not chosen. Um, it's not held... Sorry, it's free in that it is chosen. It's not held by a contract or an obligation. No one's twisting your arm. Um, and it's not because of romance. A good friendship is where you feel safe to let your guard down. For people to know the real you. To be understood. They actually take an interest in who you are. And they get past the superficialities and the facades that we often put up. In friendship, we allow our soul to be heard and our prayers to be voiced. And for any of you who have such a friend, it's, it's such a life-giving thing to have a friend. In family, things are a little bit more complicated, as you probably all know and experience, because there are bonds of commitment and connection regardless of friendship. But that doesn't mean that friendship cannot thrive there as well. The happiest of families, I think, are the ones where friendships have been valued, have been um, worked on and allowed to form and deepen. Um, in my family, uh, you know, I, I have a sense of sadness that I, I find it, I've always found it very difficult to have a friendship with my own dad. Um, but of course I'm committed to my dad and I love my dad, but it's been tricky. Whereas um, I count my brothers, my three brothers, among my closest friends. Um, and I, I love that I've grown up with them and, and the fact that I've known them all that time um, makes us deep friends. Some of us are scared of friendship, um, seeing it as a dangerous thing. Because we, we do live in a broken world with broken relationships all around us. And um, friendship can, can feel like a risky endeavour because it's never really under our control completely. And our hearts can be broken and we can be betrayed. C.S. Lewis, um, in his book called The Four Loves, um, he, he says this. He says, To the ancients, people of old, friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves the crown of life and the school of virtue. 
the modern world, in comparison, ignores it. So friendship's not something that we talk about much these days. It's actually interesting if you look up, you know, what are the latest books about friendship? There just aren't that many. It's almost like it's a given, but we don't ever think that there's much to say about it. Um, And so it's a largely unexamined and undervalued thing in our day. Um, Friendship gets often trumped by the demands of work and family um, and also by our dreams of personal self-fulfillment. So, I'm a, I'm, you know, I've got a career I want to follow. Um, oh, now I've got a family. Oh, now I've got work. And then, you know, you find that your friendships become sort of a peripheral thing, a thing on the side, um, something that's not really important um, to, to the, the core of our life. Um, for example... If someone was to turn down a job because they wanted to stay close to their friend, that would seem fairly baffling in our culture. You know, people today, they say, we're just friends, just friends. The other thing is that people are very mobile and transient these days, moving house, often um, investing less time in building strong neighbourhood bonds and focusing, again, more on work, and we're busied by all those other things. And so um, it really doesn't leave us much time for friendship. I think the exceptions for this, which I've noticed, are children and, and perhaps seniors. Um, if a parent finds their child is not making friends at school, it, it feels like a big deal. Because we kind of instinctively know that making friends is a core part of, of life, and we want to see our children being able to establish quality friendships. Um, Also, older people, I think as work and family commitments taper off, um, they often become more focused on and more reliant on friendships for a fulfilled life. So um, the other thing to mention about friendships is, um, you know how C.S. Lewis said that the ancients really valued it? Um, Well, Aristotle you know, way back, Greek philosopher, so we're talking like, I don't know exactly, but about 500 BC, uh, he spoke of different levels or different types of friendship. And, um, and he put it into three, three types, utility, pleasure, and virtue. So utility is, this is like the useful friend category, okay? So there are, um, these are uh, people who are useful in helping us achieve our personal goals. Um, These days, a useful friend can help you climb the social ladder or you can get that promotion or get that foot in the door. Um, Or maybe you can get mates rates um, if you know the right tradie. You know, these sorts of, like, friendships that are are useful. Um, But by and large, uh, you know, that's that's where it ends. It's kind of like a, you know, it's it's a bit of a um, a lesser form of friendship. Um, Back in, back in olden times, like before the last 200 years, we, we probably, humans probably needed a whole community of useful friends because just to get by and survive, you needed to know the right people. And so that's why, you, you know, you lived in a village or you lived in a town. Um, whereas now in our technological age, there's probably, we are a lot more self-sufficient and independent. But um, I think we still have a need for those, those useful friends and we see that on, um, on, on, online. Um, so with social networks, um, 
You know, you may have hundreds of friends on Facebook. Most of them aren't really your deep friends, but they're connections that you've made. Um, there's little emotional or deep contact, but they're, they're useful and they also entertain you <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so that moves us on to, to the second type, which is pleasure. So, so um, Aristotle speaks of friendship for pleasure. Um, we all enjoy friends, no doubt, and we enjoy the particularities of each friend and the common interests that, um, that together we can share. Um, so nowadays I reckon most, most friends probably fit in that category of um, they're not essential, but um, they're, you know, they're, they're a nice addition as long as they bring pleasure and as long as they enrich us in some way. The third one category, which um, is one that we probably don't know as much about, is virtue. So interestingly, the, the ancients spoke of this third category, virtue, um, this idea that friendship is a school of virtue. What do we mean by that? Um, it's like friends that actually help us grow, friends that, that stay beside us in a loyal way, and they might even challenge us from time to time, and they, they challenge us, move us in, in a direction of being a better person. Um, friends, in our day and age, I reckon sometimes that virtue friendship has actually been professionalised. So rather than actually going to our friends and having this idea of friends that, um, that really help us grow, we, we go to, to a mentor or a coach or a spiritual director or a counsellor and they're basically just the professional version of what used to be called a friend, which is pretty... It's sort of sad in a way um, that we, we don't... Not to say, by the way, I don't, I don't want to... Like, I, I go and see a spiritual director and I, I have counsel, I've seen counsellors and I'm not trying to disparage them, but it is a bit sad that in our time that's considered a professional thing as opposed to just being a good friend. So let's, let's move on from, from talking generally about friends. And um, I want to talk specifically now about Christian friendship, okay? And, and about what does that mean to take that seriously, to take seriously being a Christian friend? Um, what makes that unique, you could ask? Well, like I said earlier, we can't live the Christian life um, without having friends, it was a core part of Jesus' life. You just have to look at Jesus' lifestyle. He chose to live among friends. He didn't. Sometimes we think of the impact that Jesus had, and we imagine that he must have, you know, he must have spent lots of time marketing his books and you know, um, getting stuff out there and making movies about himself so that everybody heard about him. But no, he actually just spent heaps of time with a small group of friends. Um, and, and he modelled that for us. Jesus gathered friends close to him and he invested time and love and wisdom in this small group of friends in really powerful and transforming ways. In our story today about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, that's a, a prime example where within that core group of committed friends, Jesus shows them again the love of God. And this was a love that the disciples didn't understand, hadn't seen before. And Jesus just kept showing them the love of God until they picked it up and they carried it. And they could, they could carry that love of God around and, and share that with others. 
Um, so love is not just a feeling for Jesus. It's not just a good vibe. But it was the, the divine way of relating to others that shapes every dimension of our lives and makes that difference. Sometimes a huge impact when we interact with others in our daily lives. Um, just a couple of other quotes from, from Jesus from the book of John. Um, in John thirteen thirty four, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So this, this age-old command to love is transformed here and made into a new command where Jesus is saying, love in the way that I love. You know, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He goes on to say, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends, which is indeed what Jesus did. He also says... Um, I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So Jesus calls his followers and by extension us, his friends. Just as he walked with his disciples and talked them and showed them God's love, he does that to us too. He does that in our lives and that's the life of the Christian. And so on the negative side, failure to love others as Jesus loves us really actually chokes off that flow of, of love that our whole world cries out for. You may um, have been to a wedding and seen um, this quote from, from the Bible, um, from Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, uh, it speaks of, it says, a cord of three strands is, no, is not quickly broken. So the, the whole verse, um, verses 10 and, and 12 says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So often, like in a marriage, in a Christian marriage, there's this reminder that, that as well as these two coming together to marry, that there's a third cord, there's a third person, um, which, is, which is Christ in their life. And I don't think that has to just relate to marriage. It re really relates to Christian friendship as a whole. So Christian friendship is this specific kind of friendship centred around growing close to God together. It brings together three cords, you, your friend, your Christian friend, and God. And so we're all on this journey of wanting to go deeper with God and experience more of his love. And this journey we do together, not on our own. Sometimes you might get disheartened and you need your friend. Sometimes you need someone else, um, so, sorry, someone else's perspective. Sometimes you need someone else to encourage you or you may need someone else who is willing to challenge you. The early church had this full-on confidence that such Christian friendships centred on God could transform people and communities and whole cities, bringing Jew and Gentile together, male and female together, master and slave together. Um, it's a matter of making God's love a concrete reality in the social fabric. So if we come to church and we all have our 
um, our personal relationship with God and we don't ever share it with each other, the tragedy is that God's love never gets to be expressed and there's not this sense of a concrete reality of God's love permeating our community, our lives and, and the world around us. Um, have we lost our confidence in God's ability to shape us through our friendships? For Paul, who wrote most of the, the New Testament letters, I think the most important purpose of his letters was to build up such communities of Christian friends. In Galatians, which we've been exploring in this series, Galatians chapter 6, um, I'm just going to read, read this section um, to, to show you how, how, Jesus, um, sorry, how Paul's letters were really about uh, trying to, to build up such communities of Christian friends. Here he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> I love that, that line. Um, but but re- reading that section, we'll, we'll move to the next bit in a sec, um, you really get that sense of, of just how, how important it is for us to, to speak into the lives of, of our friends. Because when th- this whole idea of another believer being overcome by sin and, and being able to humbly and gently restore them, um, I, I wish I saw that more often in the church. So he continues, he says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live on only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore... Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So this journey of faith is not just about me. It's not only a personal journey I'm on, and I'm not trying to find myself. Um, I'm actually becoming something bigger than myself. I'm becoming part of what God is doing. And this is God's harvest as Paul mentions. In God's strength, I start to relate to people differently. I start to relate to people as Christian friends. And God supplies me with the resources I need to transform friendships and be transformed by them. So through friendship, we experience God at work in us and through us very tangibly. It becomes very real. It becomes not just something we we talk about at church, but something that really happens. So let's move to our last section now, looking at how can we actually do this? How can we grow um, to be Christian friends in our community? Firstly, don't do it because I told you to, okay? Or because anyone else told you to. Um, Friendship, remember, is a free choice. It's all about your freedom to choose. 
So I can plead with you to take Christian friendship seriously, but ultimately it has to come from you. It has to be your doing. Um, Commitment to deepening ties of friendship is in no way secondary or optional to Christian life, but rather it goes right to the heart of our faith. I'm just thinking about our culture here um, as we come on Sundays. I think it's very easy for us to rely solely on our service time for spiritual input. So we attend the service, um, hopefully receive God's word, and, and, and then you kind of leave and you go, yep, I've ticked that box. I've ticked my faith box for the week. And, um, but the thing is that you can sit and hear a good message, but it's in the applying it in your friendships where the rubber actually hits the road. The service is important, and we all work together to make that a valuable time. But our deepest learning comes from actually putting into practice what we learn in, in our friendships with each other. James, um, in James's letter, says this. He says, be, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So that's how ridiculous it is to just hear and not do. It's like looking at the mirror and going, that's what I look like. What do I look like? You know, um, just, you just forget. Whereas actually putting into practice reminds you who you are. You walk away, yep, I know who I am because I'm putting into practice the things that, um, that I've learnt. So I'm, I'm just going to go through some guidelines. Some of them are pretty basic and obvious, but I think they're worth saying anyway. So here's Matt's seven guidelines um, to Christian friendship, how we can share together in more communal ways as a church. Um, I really encourage you to, to think while I'm going through these about what you're going to say to your friends when you're at morning tea, okay? Just to kind of make that transition out of worship time and into um, that time where you can be um, maybe taking some initiative um, to, to put this stuff into practice. Okay, so first thing, keep it regular. Hebrews 10 says, Let's consider how we may spur one another, one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. So be present. That's a good start. Um, it takes time to build friendships um, so don't be out of sight and out of mind. All right? So that's the first thing. Just keep it regular. Secondly, take the initiative. Be willing to go to a deeper level in conversation after church. Be brave to step out of your comfort zone. Um, be willing to pray with and for each other. Um, be open to get to know people who are not like you. That's one of the things I love about this church is that we do have quite a bit of diversity and, and I love that when I sit down at a table, I could be speaking to someone from a different generation, from a different country. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, of different people here. And it's, it's a good thing for us to learn um, to, to be friends with all sorts of people. So take the initiative. Be brave um, to, go, to go deeper than just superficial friendship. Sec, um, thirdly, 
learn to listen and ask good questions. Now, we could probably spend a whole hour talking about what does it mean to listen because we all think we're naturally just good listeners, but most of the time we're not. <laughs> and so it, it actually takes a bit of practice to, to just really listen to someone and really hear them and, and hear what they're trying to tell you. Really helps too to learn to ask good questions. So rather than hearing someone and then thinking, oh, I've got a good story about that and, and launching into your story, you could ask them a question about what they've been saying and just show that you're trying to get to know them better. You're not just having a bantering conversation. So listen and ask good questions. Fourth one, let down your defences. This is about being receptive, being respectful, responding and reflecting with the person. Work towards building trust with with your Christian friends. Help each other to take down masks and roles that we carry and that we put up. Um, Because there is really a very big difference between being friendly and polite as a church and being an authentic community of Christian friendship. Can you see how there's a big difference? One one friend, um, sorry, the friendly and polite church is one where every week you turn up and you go, hey, they were friendly, weren't they? And then the next week, they're friendly, but I still haven't got to know anyone, but everybody's friendly, you know. That's, and that's, after a while, it's like, uh, what's going on? This is sort of superficial. But an authentic community of Christian friends, we have to all work at that if we want to have that happening in our church. Fifth one, keep it confidential. No gossip, please. Okay, Friendship requires, as we just said, letting down defences, sharing what we actually think and feel. Um, if we then betray people's trust by gossiping, we do more harm than good and we just go back to square one where everybody's got their defences up and that's it. So um, that's how, how dangerous gossip can be. It just kills what I'm talking about. Number six, encourage. Encouragement is really the glue for healthy Christian friendships. Encouragement literally transforms us from weakness to strength, from fear to faith. To have someone encourage you, not just good job, but actually something that that speaks into who you are. You know, like, hey, you've got a real gift there. And, and, and for someone to really notice that, gee, it's, it, um, it inspires and it, and it leads people to, to break out of the shell that they're often in. So encouragement. Think about how you could encourage someone. The other thing is, encouragement like if if we meet together and and someone does something in church or whatever and then they get encouraged that's great but you know what's good is like I I love it when I get a a text message halfway through the week someone's remembered through the week about something and then they want to encourage me and it's like oh you're thinking of me on a Wednesday at you know 4 30 what that's that's lovely even just to be heard of um to be thought of at that time is, is is already a blessing for me so, you know, I'm sure that we can, we can do that, you know. That's one good thing about mobile phones is the little encouraging text message can be great. And the last one is forgiveness. Forgiveness is really hard and it's also another complex topic that we're not going to talk about in, in any detail now. But, um, but just having this intentional choice for loyalty um, means that we, uh, when things get difficult, 
we, we actually grow the most when, when things get difficult. Um, even though we don't like it, it's not a, a nice time, um, if we're able to be loyal and to show forgiveness and grace, we can actually grow. Um, the, message ver- um, the message paraphrase um, of Proverbs 18.24 says, Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. And uh, I reckon that's true of a, of a loyal friend. And a loyal friend is usually a forgiving friend because after a while they're going to have to forgive you for something. <laughs> Let's face it. Okay. Uh, so that's, um, that's, my, that's my message for you today. Just um, thinking about friendship Let's, let's examine our friendships. Let's be a little bit more intentional about thinking about them. They're not just a peripheral thing to our life. They're actually um, really a core part of who we are and, and, and a core part of making life good. Christian friendship is a unique aspect of friendship, a new, unique type, and, and I'm encouraging you to see it as, as central to our faith and not just as a little side thing. Um, we, we need Christian friends in order to grow together. And so then I've just given you um, seven guidelines of, of what you can do to, um, to actually put that into practice. Keep it regular. Take the initiative. Learn to listen. Ask good questions. Let down defences. Keep it confidential. Encourage and forgive. Let me just say a prayer and then we'll move into our time of, of response. Lord God, thanks for, for this time um, now and uh, thanks for, for your word uh, through, through my message today. And as we come into this time of response now, um, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, speak into our hearts and our minds as we, um, as we respond now to, to what you've said to us through, the, through this service. Amen. I've got some questions which are up on the screen that can help us to, to respond to this message this morning. And I encourage you to write down those responses on, on the response cards. And just a reminder as well that during our last song, we're going to collect the offering. And in that time, you could um, put those in if you're willing to. And uh, what happens to them is I collect them. No one else reads them. And David and I, as ministers here, will um, we'll look through them uh, on Monday, and, and we pray for, for you and, and for those, those responses. The questions are, how has your understanding of Christian friendship been challenged or changed today? Perhaps you could, you could write something about that. The next one is, how well do you really know your, Christians, your Christian friends here? Um, perhaps you've been challenged and thought, oh yeah, I, a lot of my friendships are a little superficial. Next one, what will you do to deepen those friendships? So there's, that's just a bit of a, a helping hand. David's going to play some music now um, and I'll just leave you to, to have a, a time of response.